0: Welcome to Just Ask, the podcast of The Hive Collective, a digital health platform built to empower women to make educated and informed decisions about their health. I'm your co-host, Dr. Heather Quayle, a leading women's and gender-related nurse practitioner. We provide answers to the questions you may not know how to ask by interviewing experts in nursing, medicine, sexual health, and wellness. We started in 2020 with myself and colleague, Dr. Tara Thompson, pharmacist, and now welcome our co-host and leading women's health expert and nurse practitioner, Jackie Piasta. This is a safe space where no question is off limits, and we advocate and encourage listeners to just ask their most intimate questions and to break down the barriers of embarrassment and taboo.
1: I'm Jackie Piasta, your other co-host and fellow Queen Bee of the Hive. Each month, we bring on a new guest that is an expert and healthcare innovator in their respective field. As the healthcare landscape rapidly evolves, we are excited to be on the cutting edge and have decided to evolve the podcast into the Hive Collective, a space that seeks to equip you to better navigate your health journey. To learn more about our new and exciting platform, check out our mission vision, values, and initiatives as we discuss our rebrand in Season 4, Episode 1. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're excited you're here and hope you enjoy our show.
0: Welcome back. We're so excited. Jackie and I got back from the ISWISH conference. And what does that stand for?
1: Yes. Amazing conference. It's the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. Amazing group of individuals. We had the best time, didn't we, Heather?
0: We did. I like to call it my medical home. Um, For those of you that listen um, and follow us and um, our listeners that are not clinicians, it's just a wonderful organization. We even have patient advocates that come. So it doesn't mean that just because you're a clinician, you can't come. So it's awesome. And then those of us that are clinicians, if you are not involved in this society and you take care of women on hormones and sexual medicine, where are you? You need to be joining.
1: Aww. Yes, 100%. I mean, and this is where, honestly, this organization is where it's like the movers and shakers. its I was actually talking to a gynecologist out of New York, and she was like, these are the people who figure this stuff out. I mean, these—it's this is the Reef. It's a, it's a collaborative group of counselors, therapists, clinicians, um, scientists, researchers. I mean, it physical therapist. oh, yes, a physical therapist. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. God forbid I leave them out. But I mean, it is just a amazing group of people coming together with a, you know, combined interest of figuring this stuff out, knowing that we have so many gaps. Oh, my God, the gaps. So anyways, we could talk about that just all
0: day, but. Absolutely. Um, and the funny yeah. thing is, is if you want to get involved in sex med research, no one's really doing a lot of it. This is your organization to do it in. If you've been looking for research to get involved with where it's new and novel and exciting and not tons of been saturated, this is your org.
1: Yeah. And and we we got to hear so many amazing topics. And I think that's kind of what we want to we want to hone in on today and really bring you guys um kind of a front row seat uh, into. Into the conference as best as we can, Um, but we we had some really amazing amazing talks. Um,
0: Yeah, so so we're going to kind of break apart some of our favorites. Of course, there was so much more, but let's talk about that first symposium on the neurodivergent patient. um, Something we were super excited to um, have presented at the conference, um, and it 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 proved to be ever so amazing. Um, Yeah, brought in a talk. Uh, first,
1: the first one was um, around ADHD and uh, sexual sexual health in the ADHD patient. Uh, really honing in, and this this one hit hit home to me. I'm very transparent. My daughter suffers with with ADHD, but then you know I I kind of sort of self diagnosed that I probably deal with. I 100 percent suffer from it. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, just kind of talking about the difference in attention span and how that affects, um, ab- you know, orgasm ability and sexual ability and, and connectivity with partners. It was a great, great discussion around um, ADHD. What were some of your takeaways from from that talk, Heather?
0: Um, I agree as well. I think that I think sometimes we have to channel ADHD into a superpower, if you will. Um, I think that we have so long stigmatized um, psychiatric diagnoses, whether it be depression or anxiety. um, There's such a a stigma that lays around them. And it does as well as ADHD. And I find it to be um, super fascinating that it can impact um, sexual health. It also impacts hormones. Um, That can be a whole other day's topic that Jackie and I are actually leaning in to do a podcast on is on the ADHD patient and your menopause um, and the other takeaway that I got from it is that one of the things I've been seeing in a lot of the research, cause it's an area I'm super interested in is that this is a diagnosis that was mostly gleaned towards young to little boys, young men, and there's not a lot of research on it for women. Um, and so I think that there, again, is so much research that needs to be done, but in particular with women and their hormones and their sexual function. Correct. correct. And we, when we talk about
1: hormones, too, we're also talking about the neurologic hormones, dopamine, serotonin, um, these brain chemicals that have such a huge impact in our ability to um, have, you know, healthy sexual function. And then you add in also, you know, what we've traditionally called the sex hormones as well. So awesome. And then and then there were two talks on on autism, autism spectrum yes. disorder. Um, one given. um by a professional and then the other given by a a patient, uh, patient advocate, and also uh, uh, a a uh, activist in, um, and she is autistic herself. And that was, oh my gosh, I, I, and not that I didn't um, love the second talk, but I just really, it was so amazing to hear um, from, you know, the, the, the you know, horse's mouth, of somebody struggling, you know, with autism and, and living with autism their whole life, what that experience is like, um, going and experiencing sexual health, um, living, uh, with autism. What do you think yeah, Heather?
0: Absolutely. I think the, I think the takeaway for me on that and why it was so powerful is I think sometimes that we live in these silos where we think people with disabilities um, may not have a sex drive or an appetite for sex or that they're not sexually active beings. Like we almost categorize them into the category. and I hate to use this category, but I'll say it here and I'll define it a little bit more of asexual because I'll also tell you asexual people actually there are some that engage in sexual behavior. That's going to be a whole other podcast that we're going to do. But I think we silo them into these categories and we forget, that sexual health and the ability or wanting to have sexual relations should be for everybody. Um, And I think that was a really big takeaway for me is that we really need to be thinking of these neurodivergent um, type of people, um, because I think there is a huge um, gap in the research and in the literature that we're seeing more and more neurodivergence. And I don't know if it stems because um, a lot of us may be in a sandwich generation or something where we're taking care of families, we're taking care of our kids, and then we're trying to get a kid's a diagnosis. And we're like, holy crap, you know what, maybe I'm neurodivergent too. Um, and the genetic lines that are there. So those well, were, and, yeah. And one, one of the physicians there and
1: she's active on social media, but I won't, I won't call her out on the podcast, but you know, she stood up and, and, and said, you know. I, my son, you know, an African-American son has autism and it doesn't look like what we think it looks like. And, you know, and I'll I'll throw my favorite, one of my favorite quotes out, you know, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And I think a lot of times if we, you know, our, our society and our world is built around neurotypical, everything is built for neurotypical and, you know, yeah. And so we don't see it that way. That's, that's something that, um, the, uh, the speaker, um, uh, with autism, said she goes. You know, I didn't. You know, she had a she had her heart broken, and and she ended up getting into this really um, toxic, traumatic relationship experience where she thought she was in love, and essentially she was played. Um, the the guy was, um, you know, seeing other women, having sex with other women, but she truly thought and and she really wanted that experience to be something, and and she was almost. I don't really know how to articulate this. She was almost acting as if she thought she should act in order to play along with the neuro, the neurotypical, um, world. It was really, I mean, it's more than we can get into just in this exactly. podcast, but it was
0: really it, it, eye opening, it, so eye opening. Very much. It gave us ideas. So. Um, want to jump in. We got a couple more things we want to chat about. Like I said, we could have taken a whole hour and a half to do this podcast, but um, they talked about the microbiome. Um, lots of new information is being looked at on the microbiome and the gut dysbiosis and all the things that go with it. And, um, and just in terms of vestibulodynia um, and right. there was a lot of just really cool takeaways from it. What did you glean from that Jackie,
1: yeah. So quickly for our listeners, you know, microbiome is it's essentially our vaginal area and our genital area, along with our bladder and um, rectum. They have they have good bugs and bad bugs, right? So good, good little microorganisms and bad little microorganisms, and we want to have this this um, perfect delicate balance between them. And what we're finding is that there's certain microorganisms that contribute more towards uh, a propensity to um, uh, have pain. If if you have a certain makeup, then you may be more likely to have vulval vaginal pain. And this, you know, maybe one of the more frightening things that we heard, and it was actually uh, Dr. Erwin Goldstein, um, uh, who uh, is, one could say, the father of of sexual health, um stood up and said maybe some of this is even starting from infancy and some of the products that we're putting on our babies and um, some of the chemicals that our babies are being exposed to and and young children, et cetera, um, affecting and changing the makeup of these little microorganisms and interfering with the balance. And not to say it's all doom and gloom and, and to make people scared about the products that they make, but there may be a connection there between our environment and the makeup and the balance of these microorganisms that are supposed to keep us happy and healthy, but in some vulnerable individuals, it can shift you over to um,
0: yeah. to the opposite. I think there's so much more work that needs to be done in it because some of the studies have said that the connection is still really unclear. So we got some really new, nice cutting edge research on it. But I think there's um, just a lot of work that needs to be done, and it makes sense that it's all interconnected. Um, one of my favorite people made a comment, and I all, and I I heard it on one of her podcasts was that she talked about how um, everything inside the women's body is kind of like in this triplex, like you would think of a duplex, where you have the vulva, um, the outside part of the um, of the genitalia. Um, connects to the bladder and their their apartment mates. And then you have the gut microbiome, and they all kind of live within this duplex, just like they share these walls. And when you have a disruption, for example, in one of the areas, so let's say your duplex mate or your triplex mate is making noise and you can hear it through the walls, it causes this as you would like a little maybe dysfunction, just like it would in our bodies, where you get this dysbiosis that may happen because they're sharing these adjacent walls. So disruption in one area disrupts the other area. Um, And I think that was a super cool analogy. And another, before we move on, another big,
1: big thing for me too is a lot of these microorganisms aren't necessarily the microorganisms that we test for at a traditional gynecology office. When you yes. go in and say, "I think I have a yeast infection," or "I think I have a bacterial vaginosis," it very well may come back absolutely normal, and you may still have symptoms. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a an imbalance there. It just means that we our medical um, framework hasn't caught up to what the science is showing us we are behind. And so if you're somebody that's struggling with this, it's definitely going to behoove you to see somebody in the sex medicine world Um and ISWISH has an amazing directory of individuals who are more versed in these more complex conditions um, and something to just think about because I I, I just was had a moment and an aha moment. It just kind of freaked me out thinking about all these women earlier on in my career where I didn't know this. You know, if it wasn't the typical yeast infection or the typical BV infection, I was like, I'm sorry, there's nothing wrong with you. And it's it, it, it just because I didn't, you know, was it, it a... Um, I didn't know how to help these women exactly. because I didn't know. And a lot of, a lot of us still don't know. So
0: what's the beauty um, of this wish is all the times I told the person with libido, I'm sorry, I don't know how to help you. And I think that's my impetus and why I love this organization so much because it's for the clinicians that get the original, I don't know, but that you want to get help. So we go back for so much more education to help our patients. Okay. Let's jump into the poster sessions, which were awesome. This was the most posters that we have had in podiums ever with this Wish. We had 149 people that presented and we're going to just kind of chat with you about two of them. Um, An amazing physician assistant, um, colleague of mine, and she actually was on the podcast our first season. Um, Nisha McKenzie did a poster on IUD pain and pain control. And I'm going to let Jackie just kind of elaborate more on it. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. So it wasn't a study, it
1: wasn't a formal study conducted, but it was more of just kind of a clinician insight on, um, a practice pearl from, from her office. And, and we know that, I mean, it was in the New York times pain control and women's gynecologic procedures is really making front page news how women are not being offered pain control for these invasive procedures that are very painful for some women, for a lot of women. And, um, Nietzsche's approach is is simple. It's taking a vibrator and you can bring your own from home, but a small vibrator and applying it to your belly button or your umbilicus, as we say in medicine. I apologize, um, the dogs
0: are barking in the background. You can't that's take okay. that out.
1: And and using it um as as a mechanism to sort of distract the pelvic nerve. Um, that the pelvic nerve starts um, actually is connected to the belly button, to the umbilicus and also the cervix and helping to kind of displace or distract that nerve um, signaling as the IUD is being inserted into the cervical canal and up into the uterus. Um, And that is just one method. It isn't to say that you can't also have nitrous oxide. You can't also have a cervical block or a medication that we administer orally prior to um, IUD insertion called side attack that helps to dilate and open the cervix. But it's just one additional thing that a patient can use to advocate for herself, to bring to a procedure um, as, as an option, as, as something that we can have. So I loved it. I thought it was fabulous.
0: Awesome. And then we had another um, presentation that went over clitoral blood flow. Um, Yes. Yeah. And what did that kind of look like?
1: So basically this is this is all we still this is where the science is moving. We don't have any conclusions based on this. We don't have anything there but just thinking we know that there is a direct correlation between erectile dysfunction and an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, clogging of the arteries and um we know that the anatomy of the penis is almost is pretty much identical uh, to the clitoris, and that this is all embryonic tissue. It's differentiation in utero when the you know embryo goes from being you know male to female, and then making the body parts. Um, so using this same type of information to study the clitoris and its implications on cardiovascular health for women. So with so much to do, there's no conclusions that we can draw, but we are really starting to spin our wheels on this
0: absolutely. Uh And
1: one more thing, Heather, too, that just popped in my mind, post her presentation, because you and I are so deep in the menopause space, genitourinary syndrome of lactation. Lactation. Oh, my God. So we call it genitourinary syndrome of menopause. But there's a huge movement right now to move that language to be more inclusive of all this um, potential hormone-deprived states like lactation or birth control pills yes. or perimenopause. So, so many women are getting denied vaginal estrogen because they're not menopausal.
0: And it's and unfortunate. You, we can't make this stuff up. We we
1: messed it up. We really did women a disservice with that. I mean, we we really made big strides calling it genitourinary syndrome, uh, but then we tacked menopause onto it and, oh,
0: that it should just be called genitourinary syndrome of all women. Hormone or loss. Yeah. yeah of, or of, something. Of hormone. But it doesn't yeah. even, if we called it all women, it doesn't include some of our trans male folks. Um, and so that makes it tougher. So maybe it's women with an X that I always try to say women X um, to include all bodies. Yeah. Um, and- so, yeah.
1: 100%. And last but not least, we saw an amazing, amazing hour-long talk. Heather, you actually moderated this talk um, with Dr. Kelly Kasperson, Dr. Jill Craft, um, on the power of social media in medicine and sexual health and amplifying um, the message out there. And um, kind of, you know, it was, it was actually a very polarizing discussion because there were some people that actually had very negative initial thoughts about the, the social media. But I think all in all, we decided that, um, it's a force for good and we, um, advocacy, you its
0: advocacy at its yes. best,
1: advocacy at its best, getting the message out to patients. And another thing is also, um, uh, translating the medical message. Like I said, just earlier, let's, let's talk about what the microbiome is. We talk about these terms as if everybody understands what we're saying. And I think translating that message out there so that women can better advocate for themselves. Um, Yeah, I think it's so powerful. One in five women consult TikTok before going to see
0: a doctor. And TikTok Uh, is not regulated with, um, evidence-based information. So that's why we come on and do this podcast. Um, and then the last pearl I want to leave you with is I, um, was a speaker for the pre-conference and I had a very much an aha moment and a very deep, um, crying moment during that time. And I, I think it's important for me to put this out to our listeners, um, to tell you what an advocating space we are at ISWISH. So, A woman after about halfway through the pre-conference, and that's about a four hour long conference, came up to the microphone um, and she was almost like breathing very heavily. And we kind of all looked because she almost couldn't get the words out. And she said, gave her name and she said, I am um, from Canada. She goes, I actually am a pharmacist, um, believe it or not. And she goes, I finally got up the courage to come to this conference to advocate for myself. She's like, I'm, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I'm a lung cancer survivor. And I was told in Canada that there was nothing to help my sexual dysfunction. There was nothing to help my genital, um, urinary syndrome of menopause. And I wanted to come here to advocate for myself. And by the time she left the conference over the four days, she came back up to me and said that we gave her hope hope that she can get better like i get very emotional of this because i actually started crying during the pre-conference so it was just an incredibly moving moment to know that we are this band of armies at ishwish that are trying to bring hope advocacy and to do better for the humans of this world
1: yeah that was a very profound moment for sure but
0: all in all it was an amazing
1: conference so much science, so much advocacy, so much collaboration. And it just is is such a loving community. It is such a um, progressive community. Um, And I'm just I, I just, you know, the future is bright, for sure.
0: It absolutely is. I'm very proud to be a part of this organization. So we hope that you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in and just know that wherever you are, whether you're a clinician or you are an actual consumer that listens to us. And if you are having concerns, like this is your org, we're here for you. You know how to reach us and how to find us.
1: Yes. So the iswish, I-S-S-W-S-H dot org. A great provider index on there if you're a, a patient or a consumer looking for a provider, uh, that's where I would send you. We all, They also have a patient-facing website called ProSela um, that has excellent topics on it. If you're a clinician, there's great opportunities to uh, lend your knowledge and your voice there. Um, so, yeah. And ProSela is
0: very patient-leaning. We have advocates that work with us as we write these articles. So, again, it's for patients. Yes. So okay, well, I I,
1: I I cannot wait till the next one and uh, we will we'll see you on the next episode. All right.
2: See you all soon. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Just Ask podcast. And thank you for our amazing panelists today and every day. Feel free to contact us publicly or privately with your questions and thoughts. We do not provide medical advice, but we can point you in the right direction and provide resources. You can learn more about the topics we've discussed in this episode by viewing the show notes for this podcast and following us at just ask ATL on Facebook and Instagram. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. Please make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. If you found value in this discussion, please share this podcast with friends or leave a rating on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. We can't wait for you to join us for the next show.